0: Hello everybody, welcome back to Big Noises from Meaty Voices. I'm Chris Sutcliffe. I'm Peter Houston. I keep wanting to rhyme noises and voices and it just doesn't work. Yeah, it's almost there. (laughs) Um, So this is a series where we talk to some of the most interesting personalities in media so we can get some myth-busting going on and almost a takedown of some of those more, what do you say, baked-in assumptions that everyone has about the media industry. So Peter, who did you talk to this week?
1: Uh, This week I talked to Barry Adams. Uh, Barry is an independent seo consultant who has worked for pretty much all the big names in in media mm. um started at the belfast telegraph 20 odd years ago i think or 20 years ago um and it's since worked for a lot of the the news cop titles all the ones you love <laughs> um I, actually what's interesting is what for the ones that do really well in seo um Uh, He told me a little bit about a project that he did with the sun, when the sun took down its paywall and obviously Mm. had a Mm. massive shift to rely on. (laughs) That didn't sound good. (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. uh, (laughs) Freudian slip That Made a massive shift to to SEO traffic. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was brilliant. I I mean, I know enough about SEO to make sure that my Yoast traffic light turns (laughs) green. Uh, I think one of the interesting things that the Belfast telegraph where he started got this reputation for punching above its weight uh, and he kind of you know, unashamedly put that down to them exploiting weaknesses in Google's <laughs> algorithms um, and yeah we talked a lot about the dark art of SEO uh, when it said I don't think he, he saw it as a dark art and not as a dark art more as a process mm. Uh, We also talked about how bizarre it is that uh, Reach has the worst UX in the world. Imaginable, yeah. uh, And incredible SEO performance. It's like every time Google uh, puts an algorithm update out, Rich still manages to do really well. And he says there must be something really, really clever going on under the hood, but he doesn't actually, he hasn't figured it out yet.
0: Yeah, see, that's so, you you mentioned this before we started recording, and that sounds so fascinating to me, because when you think about what Google prioritised for so long... It was UX. It was actually delivering value to the readers.
1: We also talked about that idea: is has SEO started? You know, has it become the tail that wags the dog? Mm. Uh, and he said, yeah, and in some instances it can be, but it shouldn't be. Uh, I mean, the other thing that he was big on was the idea that SEO is never a quick fix. You know, people come in and like, oh, fix my SEO, get me to the top of the search engines. No, no. <laughs> um, you know, he said that the first. If you're making changes, the first results you see will likely take three months to come through and to get yourself on a proper footing could take a couple of years. So yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I asked him, is AI going to kill SEO? And he said, no, um, certainly not the way it is at the moment because that sort of useful content, properly presented, properly articulated, human type content is still mm. will still rank. Um, I think more interestingly, talking about Google specifically, and Google, you know, bad producing results that doesn't necessarily require a click through at the publisher website. Mm. Uh, I mean, he was quite optimistic about that. He thought that Google will find a way. It's unlikely that Google will kill the golden goose in that sense. Um, I mean, we had an interesting conversation, or part of the conversation was interesting about um, the difference between Meta and Google. Okay. Google's generally coming from a good place, maybe does stuff that's hard for publishers at points, but generally coming from a good place and do want to protect the the kind of ecosystem, Mm. whereas Meta's just the outrage engine basically. (laughs) I think that's my word rather than hers. I won't put that on huh? Um.
0: Well, we'll let you tee that up in just a second. But first, we want to say thanks to Glide Publishing Platform for their support this episode and for the entire series. So if you don't know Glide, it's a content management system for publishers, which means you don't need to get involved with software and having to spend time, money, resources, everything that you don't need to be spending reinventing your CMS over and over and over again. So Glide can do all the content management for publishers of all sizes, so you can just go on with running titles and sites and being a success. No need to get roped into building any of the backend tech because the cloud solutions are always there for you. Go and have a look at gpp.io and give Glide a check.
1: And thanks again to them for their support this episode and for the entire series. So I've just seen the guys at Glide. I'm, I'm still in Portugal. That's why my audio is a bit shonky. <laughs> uh, I was in case Cash at... the. Uh... The FIP Congress and the guys from Glider were here, so we had a very lovely, civilized, sophisticated drink in the sun. It was nice, <laughs> very
0: nice. So, what did you begin by asking Barry then?
1: I started out as I always do by asking Barry about his background.
2: I started out as an IT guy back in the in the late nineteen nineties, uh, managing server farms and and. Uh, web infrastructure for both intranets and internets. And then I sort of graduated to also managing the intranets and internets themselves, rather uh, well, than just the server infrastructure that it ran on. And from there on, the ball just slowly started rolling towards traffic generation, all kinds of digital marketing, uh, which I have to admit didn't come naturally to me because I'm a tech guy, not a marketing guy, um, which is probably why I gravitated much towards SEO because yeah. for me, that's like the perfect you know, hybrid of technology and marketing, because you have to do a bit of both. Um, And for me, it was sufficiently technological to capture my interest, but also sufficiently marketing focused that I felt I had a real impact on what humans were doing and how humans were interacting with the web. Whereas before, when I was doing like the web infrastructure management, I felt I was doing technology for the sake of technology. And I felt quite far removed from, you know, what the day-to-day impact of that was. So I started doing SEO professionally since about 2004-2005, but before then I'd already done a bit of it for my own hobby websites, as it were. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I'm originally from the Netherlands, that's where the accent's from. I moved to Northern Ireland in 2009, and one of my first jobs here was the uh, in-house SEO at the Belfast Telegraph. And that was a bigger eye-opener for me in terms of, you know, how news and search interact. And I've always been fascinated by news, of course, as a, as an industry, uh, journalism as an industry. So, yeah, I learned a lot. I only spent a year in there but I did some consulting for them afterwards as well when I went to the agency side. Uh, I learned a lot f- from that ecosystem. And then in 2014, I started working freelance, basically. And... Uh, initially just taking on any kind of SEO client, be it e-commerce, brochure site, you name it. And in 2016, I was approached by The Sun to help them with the SEO aspect of relaunching their website because they were dropping the paywall at that stage. And they needed some SEO help to make sure that you know, the new website was built in the right way and, and could achieve success in, in Google. And the story of how the sun approached me is quite interesting because the project manager in charge of that project, she was originally from Northern Ireland, uh, based in London for several years then, and uh, was still reading the Belfast Telegraph and, and realized that the Belfast Telegraph was probably punching quite a bit above its weight in terms of the visibility <laughs> it got in Google. And that was because when I was working there, me and the online editor there, Jerome Crawley, we love to experiment. We like to just, you know, do things with articles and titles and headlines and URLs and see what would happen in Google News and those top stories boxes. And we we figured out that Google News had quite a lot of weaknesses, which then, of course, the Beltran kept exploiting to their advantage. So... She basically rang the Belfast event and says, right, who's your SEO guy? My name popped up. She got in touch with me. I don't think they were even considering talking to anybody else, so I think it got really lucky in that scenario. was part of that project. That turned out to be a fantastically successful project, and that opened a lot of doors with me because... Um, the Sun being part of News Corporation, opened the door to work with Fox News. The editor at Fox News, after I'd been working for them a while, moved to the Daily Mail. So he brought me over to the Daily Mail. And once you've got a few of those big name clients under your belt as a, as a consultant, you know, others just start knocking on the door. And since then I've been very lucky to work with a whole host of publishers, both the big names like the Guardian and the New York Times, as well as small focused niche publishers doing one particular thing like a phone arena, for example, who are very focused on smartphone news or or specific sports websites uh, that just do one particular sport. So um, yeah, it's been interesting. And I I suppose since about 2019, I decided to focus my SEO consulting exclusively on news publishers. Yeah. I think I made that decision just before the pandemic really hit. And uh, I think that was a, a lucky timing as well, because everybody went online when. You couldn't mm. meet offline okay. anymore and online readership of news skyrocketed and all the news publishers realized, right, we need to do something with SEO as well, because that's the main channel through which people discover news. So that led to a lot more uh, work as well. And I started my own newsletter on SEO for googlenews.com to sort of help build the profile. So it was just a lot of right place, right time kind of thing yeah. Yeah. that led me to be, I suppose, one of the the, the few SEO consultants out there who is known to focus ex- exclusively on news websites and has that sort of expertise and uh, and uh, resume to uh,
1: to meet that promise the way you talk about it you know that's sort of in the middle between marketing and technology um, and, and actually talking about belfast telegraph exploiting some of those weaknesses I, it kind of highlights to me the idea that seo is a dark art right for a civilian like me It really is a kind of black box situation where you need someone like you to come in and sort it. Do you think that's true?
2: Uh, Yes and no. Um, I think ironically, it's becoming more of a dark art. Um, It used to be that SEO was actually fairly straightforward and fairly simple just was a matter about knowing what to do. And that wasn't too hard to find out once you started digging under the hood a little bit. Um, I always like to say that SEO used to be very deterministic because then you did A and B would happen. And it was quite predictable, especially in the early days of Google, which I'll set to up to about 2012. I think Google was a fairly simple search engine and news within Google was even simpler because Google had to crawl and index and start showing news articles very, very quickly. So a lot of the sanity checking that Google would do for normal websites, it would skip for news websites (laughs) and just index it, rank it, voila, which made it very exploitable, more exploitable than regular Google search, which was already quite exploitable if you knew what you were doing. Um, So it was, like I said, very deterministic. You did A and you could pretty much guarantee that B would happen in terms of better rankings and visibility and all of that. However, since about 2015, 2016, especially, Google started integrating more machine learning systems into their algorithms, into their processes, which by their very nature are black boxes for even the engineers who build those machine learning systems. You know, they're purely outcome-based neural networks that they put stuff in and stuff comes out and what happens in the middle, they're not entirely sure. Uh, And Google needs to rely on those systems because the web is too big and too fast mm. and too chaotic for them to have like manually crafted ranking systems uh, they still use a lot of manually crafted systems but i think the bulk of the effort that google puts into improving its search engine is based on machine learning and increasingly ai systems and that means that google as as become so fast and so complicated with so many different moving parts that the engineers themselves don't really know how they work anymore that it's not deterministic anymore. It's probabilistic. And when we do SEO now, and that's how I try to communicate it to my clients as well, it's about increasing the probabilities that you are going to be improving. There's no such thing as a guarantee anymore. It's about doing the right things, and some of those things can be quite detail-oriented and quite minute to increase the probability of your article being the one that's being shown there versus one of your competitors. Mm-hmm. And that's a constant effort, a constant churn, a constant process in in a company that, that you need to have proper long-term vision for. It's not like SEO is something that you do once and you sprinkle it over your website and voila. It's a constant process that needs to be embedded both in the technical product side of your website as well as in the editorial side and how you produce and and market your content so that you are constantly finding those little marginal gains and those little improvements to increase that probability that you will be the winner in the end because it's more or less a zero sum game. There's only so many search results Google can show on, on a given page.
1: Again, that's kind of depressing as a journalist that it's a zero sum game, right? Because, so what I saw, I saw a comment you made on, on Twitter a couple of weeks back, talking about reach. Uh, we talk about reach all the time. We, I describe them as the whack a mole websites, um, and you were talking about uh, the their their sales performance versus their this this crazy UX that they've got. So how come those guys are still doing okay in search when fundamentally for the human beings trying to read this stuff, it's just a bad experience?
2: Yeah, I do think it's temporary, but the temporary phase has lasted much longer than I, th- I, th- I expected. <laughs> you see websites that are less intrusive with better UX perform much worse in Google. Um, I hate the fact, for example, that on mobile, we just uh, basically hijacks your swipe functionality. You want to swipe back to the previous page no you're reading an entirely different article instead you know that sort of stuff really grinds my gears plus full page overlays very intuitive advertising you name it in any sane world those sorts of websites should not be winning mm. but they do they keep winning yeah. um every time google rolls out a major algorithm update you have a list of winners and losers websites that get punished or other websites that get promoted and and the reach websites in general seem to be either unaffected by those algorithm updates I Seem to be on the winning end of the updates. And to me, that makes very little sense in terms of the quality of the interface that they provide. Uh, so there must be other things under the hood there. I haven't properly analyzed the Reach website, um, although I probably should just for the fun of it, even though it's still really be hard to find the time for it. But it, it does stacker. It does baffle me, really, that they are so successful because, you know, I have these conversations with with publishing clients all the time where it's about finding the right balance between monetization and and not pissing your users off too much. Reach has gone way over that particular gray area and is actively pissing off most of its its readers, but they're still winning. They're still getting more traffic and people still, still seem to be visiting their websites. So they must be doing something right under the hood. Maybe it's the fact that the UX signals that the websites provide are outweighed by other things that these websites do very very well so that while the negative ux uh, does weigh them down a little bit it's not weighing them down enough to prevent them from winning which is what i think is actually happening that they're doing other things so good that the fact they have a very poor interface is almost glossed over by google or doesn't seem to hold them back too much
1: what what would that be what would the what would the things that they're doing right be
2: a quality of content, volume of content, good internal linking, uh, other signals that Google might look at in terms of how their sites are structured, uh, how fast the website loads without advertising or how fast it loads in general. Because you know, I complain about weeks all the time, they do load fast. They seem to find, find a way to have very ad-heavy websites that still load quite fast, especially on mobile. So, um, yeah, I think they must be ticking a lot of other boxes for Google. That the fact they have such a poor user experience isn't really too much of a a detriment for them i don't expect that to last forever though i do think that at some stage they're going to start feeling the pain especially as other publishers catch on and are starting to do those same things right that the reach websites are doing right in which case that that little difference of the the interface might prove to be a real killing blow for them
1: i mean reach isn't the only ones that load their 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 websites like that there's loads of them
2: oh yeah there's a lot of um, lot of publishers who are trying to squeeze every bit of monetization out of the website which i can't really blame them for but on the other hand it does to me betray a very short-term short-sighted no. view on 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 you know their business model as a, as a news website
1: that that short-sighted of thing is interesting because seo i think i hear people talking about seo like it's some kind of magic bullet uh that it's a quick fix and it's not is it
2: no Oh, no, absolutely not. SEO is probably the one marketing channel you need the most patience and most perseverance for. Um, it is not something that can you know generate quick wins, except in a very rare few scenarios where the website has done something fundamentally wrong, which can be easily fixed. It, that tends to be quite rare. Uh, there's not a lot of websites that are fundamentally wrong for Google to call and index content and to start ranking content. No, success in SEO is about building long-term... Quality signals that Google will interpret correctly, and uh, uh, transfer that into better rankings for your articles in all of Google's ecosystem, especially the news-specific ecosystem. Uh, you, you know, when you start doing SEO properly and have that embedded in your workflows, the quickest result you tend to see is is three months, and that is. Mm-hmm quite unusual even to get it that quickly. Uh, For news websites especially, you have to look at this as a multi-year project to really build up those quality and authority signals to make google trust your website to make google understand what your journalistic expertise is and to make google understand that you are a a reputable source of information that they can actually rank reliably in in their search results so it's definitely not a quick fix It it is more something that you have to have embedded in from the start and you will not see the results of until later down the line the counterpoint to that is it it is in my opinion and i'm probably a little bit biased the single most important source of traffic for Mm. most publishing websites i think for most of my clients google or search traffic in general is between a third and half of the total traffic Uh, and if it's less than that if i see some websites where they get 60 percent of their traffic from facebook i'm quite worried because google of course is also unpredictable and can do things very, very differently. But Facebook will flick a switch from one day to the next and kill all your traffic off, which is Mm. not likely to happen with Google. So you know you need to have diverse traffic acquisition sources as a publisher uh, and not put all your eggs in one basket, Mm. not even the SEO basket. Uh, But you do need to make sure that you have healthy proportions of traffic from all the different sources.
1: So what's the one thing publishers are doing with SEO that really kind of grates... Oh yeah, there's a lot of things <laughs> that they do wrong. there's
2: a lot of things that they do wrong um, sometimes it's it's often about not having a a good good enough focus as a publisher that they want to do everything for everybody, and Google doesn't reward websites like that anymore. There's only a small handful of general publishers that Google will rank for pretty much any type of content they write about. Most publishers need to pick their battles, as in what do you want to be known as? What is your strength as a publisher? The topics, the, the people or events, or you know, you're know, you an entertainment or celebrity publisher, or you're a sports publisher, or you're a, a politics publisher. You have to pick a niche. And it can be quite a broad niche, and it can be quite a very narrow niche, but you have to pick a niche that you really want to exploit and say, right, do we want to be the dominant voice? in that niche. And if you look at the websites over the last 10 years that have really managed to carve out a strong presence in Google, they tend to be niche websites, like the politicos of this world, which just Mm. do political news and they do it really, really well. Or sports news websites like The Athletic, which is paywalled, So it shouldn't do as well as it does, but it does really, really well because they do sport very, very well. And even within sport, it's primarily football, both the European version and the American version. And they focus a lot on that and they've carved out their niche on that. So I think you have to have confidence as a publisher to say, right, this is the 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 focus that we have as a publisher, this is the type of content we want to focus on, and and really stick to that, and and uh, use bit, nail your colours to the mast basically, and say, right, well, you no, know, I think that's that's the problem that a lot of publishers have, that they're trying too many different things out to see what will stick, rather than having the confidence to really do one thing really really well.
1: The other thing that I guess, I mean, I don't know if you feel this, but. Again, as a civilian on the other side of the SEO coin, there's a there's an impression that SEO has degraded journalism. You no, know, I saw that. I don't know if you saw a piece by Simon Brew at Film Stories today, where he talks about and it, you know it's a, it's a good piece, it's well argued, uh, but he talks about uh, SEO the, the sort of tail wagging the dog. How do you, as an SEO professional, do you recognise that and?
2: I recognize it and I partially agree with it. I do think there's a lot of publishers who will write content purely to chase after a click. Um, yeah. You know, when we we're recording this, yesterday was the uh, Europa uh, League final. And in the lead up to that, there will be hundreds of publishers who have written clickbait articles like, oh, what time is kickoff? Where is it being played? That sort of stuff. <laughs> it you know, so filling that. it with hundred words of content before they give the answer. And that content is an economic necessity at the moment but also has a very limited lifespan in terms that google has actively said they don't want to reward that sort of content anymore and increasingly google is just going to give those answers directly in their search results and not giving any credit and not providing any clicks Mm -hmm. and i think that's justified because that's not really journalism that's not adding value Um, and that sort of content gets labeled as seo content which is partially true because it is primarily written to get a click from Google. But I think that's towering too many SEO tactics with the same brush. I mean, that, that sort of content is deplorable and shouldn't be rewarded, but all at the same time, because it drives clicks and, and ad impressions, probably still engage in it. The other side of the coin is that when it comes to things like optimizing headlines purely for Google, I get pushback, especially from old school print journalists often, like, oh no, this is a pollution of our craft, Mm -hmm. to which I say, I don't really think you understand your own business very well, if you think that's the case, because you've always optimized headlines. You've always optimized headlines, but previously the context used to be a newsstand, where you had one headline, one chance, one headline to grab someone's attention so they would pick up your paper rather than those of your competitor. This is the same, except that for one headline, you get to do it for every single headline on your newspaper. And you're optimizing it again for people with Google being the intermediary. You sort of have to play by Google's rules to a certain extent, but in the end, you still want a user, a person to actually click on that article headline and read your articles. So it just has broadened the scope for optimization rather than just one homepage headline or a small amount of homepage headlines, you now have to optimize every headline. Uh, and for four slightly different contexts, whereas you used to be able to get away with quite catchy and funny or controversial headlines, for the newsstand, Google needs things to be more explicitly laid out because it's still a machine system, yeah. doesn't have a sense of humor, doesn't, <laughs> uh, doesn't understand word gags. So you have to be more explicit in what you actually say in your headline. Uh, but the the underlying concept has not changed for as long as newspapers have existed. Just the medium has changed. So, yes, I accept criticism that there is a part of writing for SEO that isn't proper journalism, and I would agree with with any journalist who levies that criticism. I, I fully agree with that. As a counterpoint to that criticism, I would say they almost have to to make a living as a publisher. Mm. Um, but I also try to wean my publishing clients off that tactic and say right there's other ways you can build an audience than uh, building that sort of, uh, of of cheap clickbaity content uh, but on the other hand when a journalist says oh i don't want to optimize my headline for google because that's not real journalism that's when i give pushback back and say no you don't really understand what you're doing here mm-hmm. but it's the same that they've been doing since like the mid 1800s <laughs> when the newspapers first appeared so yeah. uh, it's just you know it's slightly different context in which you're doing it
1: so is there a way, I mean, you've said about advising clients, is there a way you can use SEO? Well, we've got big problems with trust. We've got big problems with relationships, you know, building, or certainly a need to build, rebuild relationships with readers. Is there a way that SEO can play a part in that?
2: Yes, I think so too. I think definitely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, how do I phrase this? Um Every time a brand is being shown on a Google search result, especially if it's high up in a search result, even if somebody doesn't click on it, it still exposes you to that brand. It's still a sort of signal from Google to the user that, oh, we trust this website enough. We're going to give it prime placement in these boxes, be it a normal search result or one of those top stories boxes, uh, which is dedicated to news articles. So by doing your seo properly and claiming those those highly visible positions on google you're also building the trust signals to your end users because google tend people tend to implicitly trust google search results Mm. you see them as as somewhat unbiased Uh, so if your website ranks high in google then google thinks you must be doing something right which means users think oh you must be doing something right so i think in that regard you know having good visibility in search engines is a Implicit trust signal to end users that uh, you know you you a trustworthy resource. And Google is actually trying to do that with its rankings. It is trying to only show websites in their search results that can be trusted, that don't publish fake news and, and disinformation and propaganda, that do have proper journalistic processes, that do error correction properly, that don't overload the website with too many ads. Although you know. That's, that's still a particular sticky point, or that do provide, um, you know, uh, uh, proper citations to the the stories that they produce, so that um, you know you can trust Google to give you accurate and reliable search results. Because that's really the only thing Google cares about. The Google cares about news in the context that they want to present the best articles so that users keep trusting Google and keep using Google. Uh, And uh, as anything else, your consideration as a news publisher are entirely irrelevant as far as Google is concerned. They just need to make sure people never lose faith in Google, which means Google will focus on ranking and showing the websites and the articles that provide the best experience for users and that provide reliable quality content.
1: But can we really trust Google in that sense? You know, We just talked about reach. So if I go through a reach website and I see some clickbait headline and the story's not great and the UX is hmm. making my head explode, was Google getting it right?
2: Oh, they don't definitely don't get it right all the time. I think it's a it's a constant fight, a constant struggle. Um, it's because of the chaotic and unpredictable nature of the web that Google struggles with finding the right signals to. Um, you know evaluate websites evaluate content on uh, which is why they go they've, they've gone down the machine learning routes and uh, mm-hmm. are now using machine learning so heavily because they've they realized that machine learning systems are better at this than manually crafted ranking systems uh, and it's it's a positive feedback loop for google as well because google rolls out these machine learning systems And they use human quality raters, actual people employed through outsourced companies who are paid to perform searches on Google and then see which results Google shows, click on those results, and then fill in a form that tells Google, is this a good result? And they use all kinds of different metrics to uh, to evaluate whether or not this is a trusted website and a trusted piece of information. And all that feedback gets fed back into the machine learning systems to improve it. So Google is using human feedback on the quality of their results to improve their machine learning systems. Uh, and it's a constant fight. It's a constant struggle because it's just, it's a slow evolution, you know. It's one small step forward every single time, and they don't always get it right. Every time Google rolls out a major algorithm update, it's generally because they've got an improved version of their machine learning systems that they're rolling out. And some websites will profit, other websites will, will, will falter, uh, and sometimes they get reversed with the next update, and the, the, the machine learning systems are fine-tuned even more, and some websites bounce back, other websites fall back down. So it's a constant uh, 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 marginal gains process where they get slightly better every single time. And of course, it's an arms race because SEOs like myself are constantly finding out what signals Google what signals Google is looking for and trying to maximize the visibility for our websites and our client websites using those signals. Um, which is why you know it's it's a never-ending process. It's a continual arms race where Google is trying to keep up with the web, and the web is trying to keep up or surpass Google. Um, which makes it interesting, but also you know frustrating to a certain extent because there's no such thing as a finished website mm-hmm. as yeah. in no we, we've got it done, it's performing and we can leave it alone. That just yeah. you know you can never leave it alone. You always have to keep improving.
1: So is all this chat about SEO actually not the point anymore given the shift into generative AI driven search and Bing using Chat GPT and Bard on Google? Is it all is it is this all are we, is, this, is this the death of seo oh no or absolutely is it the
2: not. exact opposite No, seo has been pro- proclaimed dead uh, for almost as long as it has existed with <laughs> every major or even minor iteration of google people have said oh this is the end of seo you know we can we can start doing other things and it's always proven to be the exact opposite um the search generative experience that google has now rolled out will not replace organic search results first and foremost because users will probably not adopt it in the same level that we might expect, because it takes a lot of effort to type out quite a long query in those systems. Mm. Uh, And people just want to do one word, two word, three word queries, and then press Google search. In which case, this generative experience is an optional extra that people can click on if they want to, uh, but can also ignore. And I think a lot of them will ignore it. Second, the generative large language models are based on historic content. And news publishers don't publish historic content, they publish news content. Generally, um, so I think it actually makes being a news publisher even more valuable rather than less valuable because you are creating the new content that the system will be trained on later down the line to provide like a summary of of what happened a month ago, a year ago, ten years ago. Uh, it, I think you know the old um, journalistic motto of the first draft of history will become even more true with mm. these generative large language models. Um, Plus, uh, you know, we have to keep in mind that these these large language models are not intended as factual representations of the real world. They are basically predictive text on steroids. They will hallucinate answers. They will make stuff up as they go along trying to fulfill a query. And and neither Google nor Microsoft have solved that particular problem yet, how they can make a, a chat GPT system Uh, any sort of large language model to be fully accurate because you can ask him very leading questions. Like, for example, why is Barry Adams the best SEO in the world? And it will give you an answer (laughs) based on the the underlying premise of that question. And it won't contradict you. Uh, That's just not how those systems work. So... I genuinely don't think it's an existential threat to SEO and search. I think it will be an additional way for users to interact with the web, with content online, an additional way for people to find information, to generate text, to generate all kinds of content. But I do not see it as an existential threat for for most of what news publishers are doing nowadays.
1: So the idea that they're not going to get referral traffic from search anymore? Do you think that's a long way down the line?
2: Yes. Um, (laughs) Google understands the role that news and, and the media in general play In society and especially in politics and google is terrified of regulation terrified of being broken up uh don't bite the hand that feeds and it's uh, it's a symbiotic relationship google needs the news to be not too negative about google at the same time news needs google to keep feeding it traffic Mm -hmm. which is why they have things like google news showcase and the google news initiative where they sort of drip feed publishers the crumbs of google's trillion dollar table to 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 placate them and, and not make them too angry about google um, I think in the long run, Google is going to lose that because they're too big uh, and they will be broken up at some stage. Um, but I think news will always keep playing a role in Google's ecosystem because Google needs news as much as news needs Google. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting relationship, a very symbiotic relationship, like I said. And uh, I also tell my clients this as well, you know, um, try to look beyond Google and beyond any platform for your traffic. And I'm saying this as an SEO guy,
1: yeah.
2: I've put all my eggs in my career in the Google basket and I'm telling my clients, don't do that, <laughs> you know? Build a brand, get get loyalty, have newsletters, uh, you know? I'll give you an example. The Daily Mail has been on the receiving end of, of Google algorithm updates many, many times. Um, and you know, the articles in, in the top stories boxes and in Google's general news ecosystem don't perform as well as, as they used to, but they are still the second most visited news website in the UK after the BBC. Why is that? It's because most of the search traffic that the Daily Mail gets is people typing in Daily Mail in Google. it is brand traffic that brand is so powerful and so strong that most of the search traffic the Daily Mail gets is a branded search traffic and I think that's that's the situation you want to emulate as much as you can build that brand become that destination for whatever particular topic or niche you want to to focus on so you become pretty immune to whatever the big technology platforms are doing
1: you think Google's very different from Facebook in that sense that it actually does have that focus
2: Absolutely. Very, very different. Facebook <laughs> Facebook just wants to keep people on their feed as much as possible and never let them leave the platform. Uh, whereas Google would like that, but realizes that that's not their purpose. Their purpose is still to send people to end destinations. They have a, a sort of unwritten social contract that you know we give Google access to our content, and in return, we get the possibility of traffic from Google. Facebook doesn't have that that social contract. Facebook is all like me, me, me. Facebook is the, the selfish narcissist in the, in, the, in the technology ecosystem. As Google, at least, has as the underlying good intention of being a, a, you know, a responsible citizen of the web. Uh, now, we all know what happens with good intentions, but at the moment, at least, they seem to be striving to not be too disruptive and influence on, on the world
1: what what would your what would your advice be just to a publisher who's sat there thinking i wish my seo was better i wish i had more search traffic what would you advise
2: um take it seriously um, I work with a lot of publishers who don't have even a single person in house who has SEO as their remit. And that worries me. I mean, they can hire consultants like me and I can get them some way along that road. But until they have that internal SEO person, it's, it's going to be a very limited trajectory for them. They need to have in-house capabilities and an in-house mandate with a person of sufficient seniority to say, no, we need to do this this way consistently for the next two to three years to build up that profile, to build up those ranking signals in Google. Um, so if you want to take SEO seriously, if you want to grow your organic search traffic, hire an SEO person or make someone internally responsible for SEO and give them the tools and the education and the mandate to, to be a voice at the table, to, to do things properly. Every single publisher I work with that does SEO well and that is winning in Google has a team of SEOs, not even a single person, but a team of people focusing on SEO within their organization. And that is the key to any success. You put resources into it, you you get results out of it. If you don't Mm -hmm. put the resources in, why are you expecting uh, proper outcomes?
1: Yeah, fantastic. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you'd like to get off your chest? (laughs)
2: I mean, we talked about the short-termism as well. Um, and I think a part of that is because the business model of news is is very short-term focused. I mean, the commercial departments have three-month bonus targets yep. they want to reach. And that, in my experience, really hinders long-term strategic planning, not just in SEO, but in, in anything that a publisher does. I think a publisher needs to develop that long-term vision and not necessarily care about the immediate short-term impacts but have that long-term goal that they want to achieve and put the right building blocks in place. Um, Nowhere is this more true than in news startups, by the way. Because of the way Google's ecosystem now works, when you start a new website from scratch, it will take you at least two years to get proper traction in Google's search especially news search ecosystem if you don't have that long-term view that that long-term perspective and you want to get there within 18 months you're going to fail it's not going to happen you need at least two years if not more to build up the right signals for google to trust you as a publisher so you know adopting that long-term mindset and trying to not let short-term commercial goals dictate your strategy is something that many publishers don't do right Uh, and that is beyond just SEO about all forms of traffic acquisition you need to have that long-term view and need to be able to you know make decisions that might hurt in the short term but you know or fully expect work out well in the long term.
1: So do you think startups like the messenger in that sense are like deluded?
2: Yes (laughs) I actually wrote about this on LinkedIn (laughs) and I saw their their uh, 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 they had these these lofty goals about the amount yeah. of traffic they were going to get because they were basing them on being able to siphon away traffic shares from existing publishers and i read that and i thought that is just not going to happen you know that their, their search traffic is going to be next to zero for about two years so start from that premise you know search traffic as as a, a tiny percentage of your total traffic for the first two years before you start getting proper traction and then you can start looking at right who can we siphon market share away from in terms of search traffic um, so yeah as a startup I think you have to have very realistic goals and talk to people in the industry who know the stuff inside out before you you know, pitch to your investors and say oh we want 100 million investment because we're going to be the, the next uh, guardian.com it's, it's just not going to happen mm. <laughs> you, know, you need to have a bit of realism there and a bit of a sense of perspective
0: Thank you very much to Barry for taking part in this episode of Media Voices Big Noises series. Peter, who have we got next up on the agenda?
1: Next up, we have Jacob Donnelly.
0: Very of, nice.
1: Uh, of Morning Brew, um, but maybe more relevant to what we talked about. This his work on A Media Operator, his solo newsletter. It was a fun one because we actually sat in the same room for it.
0: Yeah, so Jacob's up next. Very nice. Well, like I said, thanks to Barry and thanks again to Glide. Just to say thanks to them one more time for their support. As mentioned, if you do want to check out what life without having to build a CMS looks like, you can check out gpp.io. But for now, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Big Noises. Peter, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your time in Portugal.
1: I very much did.
0: I'm still here. <laughs> Still um, enjoying it. But for now, thank you so much for listening. And goodbye. Goodbye.